0: no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: And welcome to the AEW Fighter Fest Night 1 and 2 preview. We're just going to kind of run through Night 1 and Night 2 preview. Mike, what's going on, brother?
1: What's happening, man? Not much, man.
2: Yeah, it's just a, another beautiful night of diamond. I told you I was going to have a surprise for you, and I do. And let's just go ahead and introduce the marvelous Monty Warbucks.
1: Glad to be here. Glad to bring a little bit of marvelous to this show.
2: We'll talk a little bit about all the team wrestling. There you go. There you go. Well, I, all right, before we do get started, last week was, I didn't get to really see much of it last week, but... Uh, what I did see of it, Mike. What was your thoughts of last week's show uh, overall?
1: Overall, I thought it was uh, what AEW usually presents. There's probably one good
3: thing in a two-hour TV show. Um, you know, they have a lot of good talent that's
1: misdirected in a lot of ways, uh, but you know it's what you expect when you got a young company and a guy who's, running it, who's never been in the wrestling business. So I, I thought the show was a, a C minus
2: at best. Mike, what about your thoughts on it?
1: Well, he nailed a lot on the head, man. I agree with a a lot of what he said. Yeah, it was kind of a mediocre show. I I, I think it was a missed opportunity. You know, one thing I like about, one thing I like about AEW is on TNT and TNT and, and,
3: All the old Turner Network stuff associated with so much good wrestling, and you do have
1: a lot of good talent. And I just think this was an opportunity to have that clash of champions, you know, have something epic, something big. It's free, and very seldom do you get, you know, good free wrestling anymore. That you know, you got to pay for everything. So um, it was like a mediocre show the show, man. It was like, you know, Thunder or WCW or something. But wasn't nothing real special
2: to me about it last week. Well, let me ask you this, Marty. Let's say. The Cody versus Hager. Do you think they're missing the ball or dropping the ball here with Jake Hager in this situation? Well, Jake
1: Hager's a unbelievable bad dude, man. He beats people up in the cage, uh, and they they miss the boat with him all the time. He's got a beautiful valet who happens to be his wife. He comes out in a gimmick that looks like he stole it from the underwear store, (laughs) and he walks out to fight Cody, which should be the main event of any show they have. Every time they build him up, he never wins. Anybody over six foot one, over two hundred fifty pounds, you're an angle. If you get built up in AEW, you're going to lose. Everybody knows it. and did
2: it to him. The match was great. Cody's great. Hager's great. I just don't like the way he's being used. Well, the thing with uh, Hager is too, and me and Mike talked about this. I mean, and you, and I me, and you did too. I mean, he's legit. And you put him in there and then you clean pin him, and he's not got one significant win in AEW since coming there. He's lost to Moxley and he's lost to Cody. Other than that, he's had, what, a, quite, I mean, just a few enhancement talents?
1: Other than uh, Chris Jericho, the inner circle uh, is the, the best bad guys that never won a match. So, what's uh, changed him and Chris Jericho have the best
3: Orange Cassidy match, Orange Cassidy's ever had tonight. But. Uh, Hager is a big dude who's believable he's super athletic could can do a lot of good things. Could be the face of your company. Could be in the main
1: event every single week.
2: It's just not. Exactly. And, all right. We're going to move on to night two because night one, about the only thing that happened really that was interesting was Cody versus Hager. I mean, the rest of it. Can, can I say one thing about yeah. night one? Yeah, sure. On the yes, sure. Um, yes. The main event of night one with Omega and Paige
1: against you know, best friends. And, and when I grew up watching wrestling, Mid-South, the Rock and Roll Express, Hacksaw, Joe Duggan, Butch Reed, Buddy Landell, just star after star after star, Ric Flair on the Superstation, every night at 6.05 on Saturday nights, every single week, those guys were larger than life. They were stars. Everybody, every man in that building wanted to be them, and every woman in that building wanted to date them. Never once did they get brought to the car, get brought to the ring in a Honda Civic with their mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, i
3: are supposed to be guys that you look at, and I want to be them, not the guy sitting next to you ring inside. And I think that tag team, a
1: guy like Trent, who looks like a million bucks, looks like a superstar, and he's getting out of a Uber that his mom is driving on national television, it reflects that audience. Your know, wrestling fans used to be kids between eight and adults that were 80. It didn't matter if you were a lawyer, or a doctor, if you were a ditch digger, or a coach, a cop, Wherever you were, it was all different races, all different ages, and all different white collar, blue collar. It was everybody. Now the audience is thirty to forty five year old men who sit in their house, watch it all the time, get on the internet, complain, and then you'll tell people that know what they're doing that they don't know what they're doing, and I think they're missing the button.
2: I fully agree on that. I mean. They make it like it's uh, an indie show. Honestly, some of it is—I uh, mean—and not taking that away from independent wrestling because I love it. But you're on a national stage. You need to treat it like you're a national performer, and that you know we look back in the '80s, like you said, that Midnight Express, The Rock and Roll Express—they would have never showed up with their mother in a car. What think about Ric Flair yeah. doing a Ricky Steamboat? He comes out of the back of a limousine in a full-body mink coat
1: with 25 girls in full mink coats, dressed to the nines in a suit, looking like a million bucks, talking like a million bucks, wrestling like a million bucks against Richie Steamboat. That's memorable. You know, last time I saw the last time I saw a mother on wrestling, it was Judy Bagwell on pole. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking about and So say that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off when you said that about, you know, I remember watching, you know, six oh five every every Saturday, uh, Sunday. Um, with my uncle and my, my my father, you know, and they they watch it every week, you know. But my, my dad gets sick of this this bullshit. But when Flair come on, you know, he believed he was champion. I mean, my dad, my uncle, believed he was champion. I mean, because if Flair just he like you said, he dressed to a T. He had the persona. He had the women. You believe Flair when he talked, and and not just him, you know, but Dusty and Arn. You believe these guys. You bought into it, and uh, yeah, it's definitely just. Missing a wrestler. And, and it didn't have to be the main event guys. Now, if, you know, I've wrestled I with wrestled Manny Fernandez. If Manny Fernandez was on TV telling you that the Raging Bull was going to do something, you believed it. Right. Jimmy Valiant, nobody knew what he was saying,
2: but you believed it when it was over. Right. That's what's missing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing about it is the believability here. And we're going to talk a lot about that on night, too, because I've seen a lot of. You know, I'm going to start out with the Tag Team Championships. I so made them Paige versus Private Party. And my thing is, what I'm going to do this here, I'm going to go with uh, Monty first. And Mike, after Monty gets through, you just pick it up. But uh, my thing here with Private Party is, I think they're still too green. I don't think that they're national stage level. I think there's I think there's a lot to work on there. And just like you said, uh, me and you talked to Monty about, <clears throat> you know, they need to stream this. A stream. Ah, oh, Jesus. I need somebody to do the outfit. Seamstress. Yeah. Seamstress. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, watching them tonight, I mean, they have a they have a ton of potential. Uh, their their finishing move is
3: amazing. Um, the the one sad part about wrestling is you get your finishing move, that's set up for the next finishing move, but it's an amazing move.
1: Those two guys have an opportunity to be fantastic. Um, you know, watching the match tonight. One thing that jumped out at me is Jim Ross making fun of the wrestlers and they're not
3: even knowing it when he looks at a guy standing on the floor and says, what's you doing, looking for his contact?
1: <laughs> He's ripping them, making fun of them on national television. He works there. But um, the, the one thing about the match that I've noticed that I think uh, you won't see in the FTR matches is there's no tags. Every match is a four-way tornado match. You don't know mm-hmm. who's legal, you don't know who's in, you don't know who's out. They bury the referee right in front of them which happened in the middle of that, by the way. And then, you know, they they, do things that are devastating all through the match. And all those moves are less devastating than the finish thing the person. So, you know, I think think the private party will and can be great. I think Paige can be and will be great. And Omega is what Omega is. He's a ballerina who has really, really great athleticism and does some cool moves. Uh, i got, I got to agree with a lot of what you said. I was going to say the same thing, private party. They are, you know, green, um, but they do have tons of potential. And this this was kind of one of the better matches, but I agree with you. I, I, much, I personally much like watching a match that's real tag team wrestling. And this, you really get lost, even as a fan, you really get lost. And the, the believability is gone. And it is. It is like a tornado match. It's just full-out carnival, out of control. Um, but I think this is kind of one of and they must believe in these guys because they, they sure are giving the push. I did like one thing when they did the silly string and, and uh, uh, blocked, uh, I can't, you know, excuse me, my mind's kind of tired tonight, but uh, uh, Adam Page, when they blocked him from doing the buckshot Larry, I thought that was kind of cool with the silly string. So there's was, was a couple cool things in the match, but yeah, it was, it was for what it is,
3: it's a, it was a good match for this high attacking it's a it's a four-way tornado match, right? That is being portrayed as
1: a tag match. And they're all great athletes and they're all great wrestlers. But there's no also you've got six thousand tag teams and your show opens up with a baby face, baby face match. Who's the heel? Who's who's who's, who's leading the
2: match? 50-50 match. So both teams have great ability. Um, I think you've got a team that's young that they want to be the face of their tag team. Yeah, let's move on to the next one, which is the monster of the murder half. Lance Archer taking on Joey Janela, and I did not agree with this at all. And, Monty, I'm going to let you take this away because you're you're going to speak what I'm about to say. Uh, you know, Lance Archer is a monster, but it goes back to what we were talking about. If you're over 6'10", if you over 240, um, they don't know how you should. I mean, he, he should have
3: beat Joey Janela in less than five minutes. Joe Janela gets a couple moves, but Lance Archer's the bigger, stronger, dominant athlete, and he leaves everybody laying, Jake comes in, they put the
1: snake on everybody, and everybody goes, happy. Oh, that's not what we got. You know, we got a competitive match with a guy that, in all reality, should not be in a competitive match with a guy like Lance Archer. It's just not believable. You know, Janela made his name for jumping off and doing crazy things, and he did do some good stuff, but it should never happen. That's a five-minute squash at best. Yeah, I gotta agree with you, man. They're, they're burying all the big guys. It's, it's it is kind of like they don't know what to do with them. And, and at the beginning, you know, there was a lot of complaints about AEW don't have any size. Well, now they are getting some size. They got they start get some big guys in there, but they're just and I got a feeling the Moatsling Cage is gonna be the same thing, man. It's uh, they're just burying all the big guys. I'm very disappointed in Brody Lee, Jake Hager. Um, now, the murder hall this, this is the same thing. Uh, it, it didn't surprise me. It wasn't believable. The only reason it really didn't surprise me was just the big push they're trying to get them with a storyline with Sunny Kiss and stuff. But I agree. It wasn't believable. I would have been much happier when Snake being been put out. And, and, and Jake Snake doing his thing. The snake laid out on George Miller. And I think George Miller's a good talent, but he's he's not believable. It wouldn't make no sense for him to be in a ring with a guy that big and to be that competitive. When they first brought him in, he would everybody, he's would kill everybody. Now, all of a sudden, he has a hard time with Jordan, you and know, it doesn't make any sense. Well, that's their pattern. You come in, you're a big guy. You win three or four matches, you get to the big shot, you lose, you go back to the mid-card. Right? And that's the pattern. like. Yeah, it sure looks like it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, this match shouldn't have lasted as long as it did. It should have been competitive. Like we said, Lance Archer should have walked through Joey Janela like it wouldn't and Joey Janela get, you know, his one big, you know, move in and let's go on to the next and one. I'm, and I'm not
3: knocking Joey Janela. Joey
2: Janela yeah. is a guy that's made a million times from I've
1: ever made. And, that, 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 and I know when people hear something that they gonna say, who's not more bucks?" place, Joey on national TV. That's fantastic. That's great.
2: But in this case – It was ridiculous. Exactly. I agree. And if you don't know who Monty Warbucks is, we're going to get you to know who he is because uh, he's got the gift of gab, no doubt. Good in the ring. He'll steal his victory from you any day of the week. Up next, we got Brian Cage. He comes out with Taz. Taz unveils the uh, FTW belt. And if you're not familiar with ECW in 1997, 98, wherever it was back in that day, or wasn't it about 97? You don't know what it is. But I'm going to tell you something else. So uh, I popped a little bit for it because I was just like, well, they brought it out. But, Monty, what was your thoughts on this?
1: I thought it was uh, it was neat to see something a little nostalgic from, from the past. Um, but what you said is exactly right. Um, you know, it, did, it was 22 years ago the last time that was featured on syndicated television. When that was on TV. ECW wasn't even on national TV yet. Uh, it culminated. Uh, with Taz and Shane Douglas, and a memorable match, rechecked out Shane Douglas, and they had a memorable uh, November to remember in New Orleans. Um, at the even though late front arena, which was a big show, where they had the battle of triple threats, little well, ECW history. It was a great show. Taz was great. Is great. Uh, is a great talker. Was always believable in the ring. Uh, the only thing I, I, I see is that there's no need for cursing on national television. Um, if you do have kids, and that goes back to what I was saying, uh, you know. Back in the old days, when wrestling was people from six to eighty years old, you didn't hear any cursing on TV, and if you did, it was bleeped out. And if it did, that meant, oh my God, that guy's mad, and it didn't make the promotion look like you couldn't person, So, if you're going to market it to anything other than thirty to forty-five year old uh, computer geeks playing, uh, you know, video games in their basement, you might want to cut some of that out. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I've never been a huge ECW guy. I have heard of that time. You know, I didn't really know what to think of it. So I, I guess the nostalgia would have been a little bit more
3: uh, with you guys. But, um,. I don't, know, I don't know what to think about it. Man, I do I do agree with everything with Taz. I love Taz. Taz was very believable, intense, uh, great commentator, great talker. I love I love the fact that AEW yeah, is focusing on having managers. I love that. I, I'm just managers. Um,
1: so we'll see when this match comes up, man. I, I don't see Cage walking away as, as Victor, but who knows? It would be, be interesting. It's, I guess it was a cool little segment. And uh, one other thing, one other thing, too, is, you know, if you have, let's say, a seven, eight-year-old boy watching the show, and he, you know, in ECW, you wouldn't have had that seven, eight-year-old kid watching. This came on two o'clock in the morning on one of your local channels, and you would be standing up late to watch with your college buddies or whatever. Your seven-year-old son looks at you and says, Daddy, what does FTW mean? Have fun explaining
3: that.
2: Yeah, Exactly. And, and it's, there's no place for right now. I mean, that, like I said, that was 22 years ago. Yeah, we popped when we were teenagers, or in our early twenties, or like Mike in the nursing home. But at the same time, you know, this is now. You're trying to cater. You're trying to build your audience, and that's why ECW. Nothing taken away from ECW because I enjoyed it in its time, but it had a niche audience, and that's why it never grew. And that's where we're at. With
0: More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void reprohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: They, w, they're they're sticking to their niche audience that they had on the Indies, and they're not catering to the national audience and trying to bring in that casual wrestling fan. And that's just, well, that's just my opinion.
1: And, and may be looking at the
2: fact that with a national pandemic and, and, and a worldwide pandemic, excuse me, and no fans in the crowd,
1: that uh, they're not going to build their audience anyway. I, I look at it different. If you put out quality TV, people will come. You know, if you build it, they will come. So if you put out a great product every week, you should have people viewing it. You're on one of the best cable networks on the planet who's promoting your show. You're on every week for two hours. Put out quality television, and i find it. Well, the thing—it's not—it's not, it's not, it's not as, as if they don't have the talent either. And they they, they now, so names. It's just the booking. It's just—it doesn't make sense what they could be doing with, with the names they got. It just doesn't make sense. It seems like they give certain people a push at the wrong time where they shouldn't win that match. It just—it's just, it's just uh, you know not logical. and It doesn't make sense. Uh, and well, there, there's a certain uh huh there's a certain percentage of, of fans that are going to uh, forgive them for whatever they do. Yeah. Um, I, I give you an example. They'll watch a, a WWE show, but they'll come to one of our shows and bury it. But if any other promotion did a football field match like they did, those people would be lining up on it and saying how terrible it was. But because AEW did it, it's the greatest thing ever. So there's a certain percentage of fans that will forgive them no matter what. And that's okay. That's that's their That's their... Uh, right to do that. They're, they're fans of that product. But to get the casual fan, if my dad, who's 68 years old, was flipping through the channels, and he sees that, he's going to keep flipping the channels. He's not going to go, oh, what's going on? It's two big guys beating each other up. He's just going to keep flipping. I think that's one reason. I I, I I personally was such a big fan of the NWA show. That was, you know, that you can watch on your phone and stuff here lately. That was, I mean, because it just had, it made sense. I love seeing like Trevor Murdoch and some of these guys go. It's just good wrestling and good psychology. It's just, it's good. You know? Well, you had grown men having grown man matches. Yeah, it
2: didn't look like, uh, you know, kids trying to entertain their best friends in the backyard. Yeah. Well, my thing is, and you talk about the worldwide pandemic, That's this is the moment where you want to gain those, uh, watchers you know you want to gain the tv audience Boy, yeah. you know you, may, you can grow it easy because you know casual fans are sitting at home bored and they switch through and they yeah. see something good we got you but it's just it's not happening right now but coming up next was the match i was dreading the most and now i know why it was the eight man tag i just it turned into what i thought it was going to turn into and the only thing that surprised me was that the uh Young Bucks took the pin, and the Litch Brothers got the win. Monty? Yeah, it was uh, – I'm going to say this, that, uh, you know, starting out. Everybody thinks, oh, he buries everything he does. You know, I, I've had the pleasure of meeting Young Bucks a couple times. Uh, my daughter met them in New Orleans, and they were very nice to her. They're very good guys. They really are. And the fact that they've made the money they've made on their own in an independent mindset is phenomenal. It should be with every other wrestler wants to do, okay? Now having said that. Their matches
1: are what they are. The FTR is the best tag team on the planet. It's not close. There is no second best. There's no third. They are so far ahead. When you watch their matches, when they make tags, every move is quick, every move is crisp. They get in and out in the five-second count. They actually tag each other. They grab the tag rope. They do double moves. They dress alike. They are a tag team. They are totally and on in the Midnight Express rather than one package, and they are phenomenal. And if you put them against somebody that they could go out there and tear the house down, no one can follow. They're that good. And, you know, next week I saw them in the Lucha Brothers. That's a
3: weird clash of styles, but I think FTR you pull it out, and it'll probably be the best Lucha Brothers match you've ever seen. Um, but tonight, you know, you watch it, and it's,
1: it's, again, there's no natural ending points in the matches. They do a lot of cool stuff. I watched the entire 20 minute match or 25 minute match, and I can't remember hardly any of it because they did so much. Yeah, and I wrote it down. I still can't remember it.
3: <laughs> you know, um, and, and, and one and, the, and, and that goes back to something I was taught by Buddy
1: Landell a long time ago, which is your your mind works like a camera. Okay, you take a snapshot, you develop that picture, you look at that picture, you see it, you digest it, you understand it, then you throw it away take another picture, you develop it, you understand it, you digest it, you throw it away, and those pictures are what put the match together. This is like you're shooting something and fast forward, and there's a car crash, an explosion, and somebody wins. And when it's over, you ask people, well, what happened? No one knows. And that's fine for the fans that like that kind of thing, but I would like something more logical that I can actually watch and understand. Um, One
3: of the things that stuck out to me, you know, MJF, who to me is the best heel in wrestling other than myself, because he's actually evil,
1: should not be sitting in the crowd with all the others. You don't see the guys from Inner Circle sitting out there. You don't see uh, any of the top. You don't see Cody sitting out there. You see all underneath guys, and then there's MJF. That makes him look like an underneath guy. It, mm-hmm. makes, it makes Jungle Boy look like a <laughs> big card underneath guy. Those guys shouldn't be out there. That's a different tangent, but that's my thoughts. Yeah, I just got to add to that. That's, I haven't thought about that. as a really good point, though. It does kind of undermine them and put them on a different level. Um, when you know next week, you'll want to try to put them in a main event, but the week before, they're out in the crowd with, with some of the other enhancement talent. Um, I really didn't notice that until you brought it out, but yeah. Yeah, that's real true. I, I got to, yeah, going behind you, man, it's real easy because all I got to do is say, yeah, then I agree with you. Because really, you're getting a lot of points. I really I really think, too. And uh, I guess that's why I find myself personally going back and watching a lot of 80s wrestling and stuff like that because that's really what I enjoy the psychology and stuff, even though he's awesome. wrestling. Um, but it's, you know, I watch it, and I'm watching Matt Snyder. And, my wife she'll peek at the TV every now and then. It's a couple spots you go, Damn, wow. And that was pretty cool. But like you said, it's just so much of it. And then then after the match is over, my mind's just like I don't really remember what happened. It's just it's too much. I just I gotta agree with you a hundred percent on that, you know. Just, when you go back to what's just say, Paul Mr. Warner off. You know, he's working a body part, whatever, he's got the good character, gimmicky some tissue, boom, a power driver, you gotta remember the power driver, you remember what happened. Remember why he lost the match. It was that one finishing move. And everybody had that one finishing move. And they were known for that. But even they hit you with that, that was it. It was lights out. You wouldn't get enough. If you did, that was a killer match. That was a WrestleMania match. If somebody could do that done something like that and come back. Nowadays, well, ETT's going everywhere. You know, it's just, it's just. it's Why is the RKO special?
2: Because nobody kicks out of it. Yep. Randy Orton. He is protected his finish. He's protected. It. You
1: know why was Jimmy so this big splash important? Because when she's Stone it, Power Driver. it's done, right? And then when it happens, and I know everybody, every all the young fans will say, "Well, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker kicked out of each other's finish twenty two times." Well, that's Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker. Nobody on that ship had right? Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker.
2: Right, um, exactly. Nobody
1: was at WrestleMania in front of eighty thousand people. I, look, I, I like a lot of things. That the young bucks do, as far as how they treat their fans, I like a lot of things they do in the ring. Because when they do something, it's great. Their super kicks, crisp, unbelievable, bang for your buck, great finish. But again, it's so much, so fast that you just go, "What did I just see?" And at the end of it, I want to be able to remember everything else in it. And the other, the other issue in a match like this, a match like that is you know, when I was being trained and learned how to wrestle, I was always taught that the optimal goal was to get the fans out of their seats screaming and hollering as much as possible. And what I mean by that is when the, when, when the bad guy's doing what we do, the, the, the crowd's
3: quiet. But when that good guy fires up, and he makes his comeback, the place explodes over and
1: over and, over and over and over and over and over because there's a huge emotional investment. Now, they just pop on a cool move. So if I go out there at 330 pounds and do a moonsault, they'll pop for three seconds. That doesn't mean I'm over. It just means I did one cool move. That doesn't mean they care about me. That means I did one cool move, and that's that's the difference. That's why guys see the matches today and they like them and they give them star ratings and all that, but they don't go home and go, "Man, I really wish I was Kenny Omega." They just like his moves, right. and that's different. And that's the difference between what you're seeing here and, 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 and Chris Jericho understands it. That's why he's Chris Jericho. That's why, you know, Steve Austin was Steve Austin. The Rock's The Rock. I mean, you know, it's a different company. But today, i came out with a video game for WWE on Facebook. And the two guys on the cover are Steve Austin and The Rock. They have wrestled 20 years. <laughs> that says a lot. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's the thing. Until they understand. And they can do it with a solid. But they've got to do some things in between that goes with selling and believability and people caring about the person. You know, people want to see FDR and the Young Bucks. They want to see that. They want to see how it's going to turn out. But if you put them next to each other every week, that gold is slowly losing its shine. And eventually, by the time they have the matches tarnished because they've been around each other every week for six months. And that that's that's not how you build something. You have, you build it with one team on each side, beating everybody until they get to the crescendo, and everybody <laughs> goes, "Man, we can't wait
2: to see that." That's not what they do anymore. No, they used to build up matches like I mean, if, sometimes it would take six months, and they would even be they wouldn't even touch for six months, and then you, you finally think got. About, it. Think
1: about the Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express. And I know people under forty don't you know, be tired of hearing the same you know, the Rock and Roll Express comes in, they, they fight the Russians on Mid-South, they, they have a little bit of a, sh- a little bit of contact with the Midnight Express, then they come out, after the Midnight Express wins titles, they put Cornette's face in the cage, and then the Rock and Roll Express goes off with the Russians, Cornette in the Midnight goes off with Bill Watts and the Junkyard Dog. Both of them build it up the whole way, until they get to the top of the mountain, and then the entire volcano blows up and for the next 10 years that match sold on every building in America because they could do it so in six weeks if you see NTR the young bucks after you've seen them on TV with each other every week for the next six weeks is it going to be special nope it's not and that's 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 just basic stuff and I don't um, and I understand that you know I'm old so all the 24-year-olds, and I, I argue with them all the time on Facebook. Like, one of them told me today's, what's the best move for 2020? And I told them, apparently teleporting." <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, but that's um, – or, you know, that guy put on there, uh, you know, wrestling never abandoned me. And I said, yeah, well, it abandoned me when they started teleporting. Um, so, I mean, the, I mean, it should be special. The Young Bucks, whether you like them or you don't like them, have been probably the top name tag team wrestler for a decade for a lot of reasons, but they, they've earned that. And I respect that FTR is the best tag team on the planet. Those two teams together should be the rock and roll of the midnight for the next five years, right? That mission
2: headline, every big show, but I'll be curious to see if they get there. I'll be surprised if they do too. And I mean, and now we're going to move on to this next spot, which should have been the Lance Archer spot, or Lance Archer spot, but uh, it was Nyla Rose who ran through two people real quick. I just wasn't out there during that. Mike. Yeah, I mean, what
1: can you say? Uh, the, the only thing I took away from that is I'm, I'm kind of curious to see where her manager is going to be. You know, she did announce that she's got a manager. And uh, she had made a, a comment that a lot of the wrestlers in AEW who have managers have achieved gold. She wasn't going to be any different you know, when she gets on oh. Let me throw this out, at you as, a, as a, just a wrestling thought. Last time I checked, Kelly Blanchard is uh, a manager in AEW, right? Yep. And last time I checked, his daughter is arguably the best female wrestler on the planet, right? Yep. So if he aligns himself with Nyla Rose and she's a free agent, and that's, that's a pretty good story. Um,
3: won't get told, but, um, you know, there's so many things you can do with the women's division. Um, but, you know, the, I think eight, the a women's division had such a rocky start that they're just trying to figure
1: out what they're doing. And that's not good on national TV. It's just not solid. But, um, you know, I, I, I hate to say it because if, if Charlotte's wrestling near Ripley, I'm invested. I'm watching it. If Sasha Banks and a failure out there on the other channel, I'm watching it. But the AEW's women's division, for the most part, other than Fred Baker's uh,
2: comedy routine, is a very, very hard to watch. Yeah. I agree with you on that one. Uh, ex- next up is uh, Dark Order versus SCU. They had a little thing with Colt Cabana in the back. I like that they're working this storyline. I'm just, I don't know where it's going, but it's it's about the only interesting thing going on right now. What was your thoughts on this six-man tag match? I mean, it's giving Cole Cabana the win, so he's excited. You know, it's kind of brainwashing him into whatever they're trying to pull. I've never been a big fan of the Dark Order, but I do think it's a
1: great sport. Cole Cabana is a name that people know. Uh, SCU, man, Christopher Daniels, phenomenal. Even at his age. Uh,
3: it's fantastic. Frankie Kazarian is probably the most underrated wrestler
1: on the planet. He can have a great match with anybody. He's phenomenal. And uh, Scorpio Sky is a great athlete. You know, Brody Lee's a big guy. that does some good things. I think the ending where you don't know what's going on with Cabana and he got the pin, you know, made me kind of uh, excited to see where this goes next week. Um, where are they going? You know, it's a question mark that kind of leaves you intrigued to see what's going to happen next. And, and I think they need more of that. Yeah. Um, I got to agree. up. I think there's not a lot of good stories going on right now, and this is probably one of the better ones. Uh, actually, um, I always enjoy watching Brody Lee.
3: Um, How is Chris my Anybody know, I know he's up there? Man. He's,
2: he's, he's in his mid-40s, I'd say. Is he? Uh, he's,
1: well, you have to think about this. He was on WCW. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So if he, was, he was probably in
2: his late twenties. basically just that, So he's been around a, a real. Well, let, let me just uh, say this: he was supposed to be the higher power back in 1999 in WWE, right. and Vince Man didn't he didn't think he was. Christopher Daniels is fifty. Yeah, yeah I'm I thinking he's knocking on fifty, pretty close to fifty. Phenomenal, yeah, great, great act.
1: I think somebody who impressed me in this match a little bit was uh Grayson, I believe his name is. He, he the only good match, I think he's a good athlete for the dark water, a little ball headed guy. Um, yeah the, the story the story was entertaining and for and, and has, was probably the best dark water match. Uh but if the S. C. U, you know, I, I love their interest in music, I love the worst town ever. Uh, you know, everything they do
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Group void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Classic, good, pride-proven pride, proven wrestling. And so those guys against anybody is good. Uh, you know, I think the Dark Order story is is taking twists and turns. It's a, you know, when it started, a lot of people are down on the Dark Order story. I think with Cabana, it's just, it's fun to see what's going to happen.
1: Uh, and that, that's what you want. I mean, wrestling's supposed to be fun to watch. And left the ring with him smiling and nobody knows what's going to happen next when you think you know what's going to happen, but that's what makes it good. I mean, that's what makes it fun out of everything I've seen. tonight, like, that's what I'm wondering. I wonder what's going to happen with Cabana next week. But, you know, it comes down to, you know, wrestling's wrestling, but it's about stories and it's about being entertained. At the end of the day, it's about being entertained. You know, and, and a good story and, and something. And, that, you know, like you said, you walk away from this show, more curious about what Cabana's going to do than all the flips and stuff the Young Bucks did. You know, because really that's the story. You know, if you're hooked on that, you want to come back and see next week what's going on, man. The story is, is what makes you want to see the match. You know, at least it is for me. You know, And it was believed in the finish. You go, wow.
3: Okay. He gave him the pen. So what's going to happen? I mean, the, the young bucks with FTR, and you know, he missed the kick, but then nothing
1: happens after. You know, last week, the, the, the FTR was going to kill Kenny Omega because he wouldn't drink a beer. This guy kicks your head off and you're not mad, yeah. So it, it's kind of wishful washy in their thinking of how they're trying to tell the stories. Yeah, I don't. It just kills me how they're missing little stuff like that, and it's just little stuff that just means it you know, carries volumes. That I don't know, you know. Well, the little things. I mean, you think about if you go see a masterpiece painting, right? It's the little things in between and the little spots in those corners that makes the painting perfect. And when you're talking about wrestling, a guy can do all these flashy moves, but if his basics are terrible, it doesn't gel to a good match. Yeah. The same thing in telling a good story. If, if, if I have a great beginning and I have an okay end, but the middle is garbage, most people don't even make it to the end. Yeah. So, you know, the stories have to be well thought out and all those little turns and nooks and crannies are important. That's why FTRs are so good in their tag matches. Every
3: time you think they're going to take a left turn, they take a right. But they still get to the finish line, and it makes the match phenomenal. Well, I'll say... They
1: remind me so much of the Andersons, or or totally
3: definitely. definitely. Yes. I've seen the Rams
2: so much, watching that man. I mean, there's no doubt they're the best tag team on the planet, like mine says. And I'll say something about mine. You know, mine, you said earlier that you know, people are saying, oh, who's money Warbucks or whatever? I'm going to say something. Because I've, you know, seen you in person. And I know, I've, I've actually seen this man come into a building where the crowd was doing nothing. It was just a dull night. And as soon as this man walks out, when he leaves that ring, they're still yapping. And they're still mad. They're still up. And this crowd gets up. It does not matter. I've seen him light a building up. So he's... He's on top of the world professional and I could I if I was gonna build a promotion around here, it's gonna be built around my name more books. Well I appreciate that. I, I my whole deal for me though,
3: I love professional wrestling. I absolutely love it. And every two, every Wednesday
1: night I turn the T V on and I'm hoping to see something great. Because I want professional wrestling to survive. You know, I want when I was growing up, to sit there with my grandfather and watch, I got children, I was talking about watching Mid-South Southwest with my grandpa and going to the Riverside Central place in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, every Tuesday night to watch Hacksaw Jim Duggan and and the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, and all of Buddy Landell. You know, all the Mr. Wrestling too, Magnum T.A. When Dusty Rhodes would come in every now and then, all those great guys. And I want my kids who love wrestling to be able to one day take their kids to watch and then love it, too. So I want, I want AEW to survive. I want AEW to be thriving. Also, it's more jobs for guys. And the more jobs, the better for the business because more people are able to make a living
2: in professional wrestling. So there's nobody on the planet that wants AEW to succeed more than I do. But when I watch it, it makes me worried Because it's just... It's, and people, it's like we talked about, you know, they say it's not killing the business, but if you look at it more and more... Back in 98, do you think that TNT would put up with the ratings that AEW is putting up right now? No. Well, uh, the,
1: and, here's, and here's the thing. I know people are going to say it's Alphys oranges because ratings back then, uh, you know, they only had two or three channels or, or, or whatever. Or you had cable, but, you know, the Internet wasn't around. So it streaming services, right? You know, last night, I watched Pat O'Connor, against extension of Buddy Rogers on YouTube people in 1950 something, okay, at Comiskey Park in Chicago, Illinois, right? That's 1952, okay. did you draw sixty thousand people to see one match today? No. Okay, so it's not it's not just the ratings. It's I give you an example. I have a friend who's a football coach. Not going to name his name, okay. Let's just say that football coach goes into his weight room with 80 football players in it, and he's wearing a young bucks shirt. And he asks the kids, "Hey, you guys know who this is?" Everyone then thought it was a hunting shirt. Mm-hmm. You think in 1986, if you walked in the weight room at Meridian uh, High School and with a with a Hulk Hogan shirt on, and asked those 80 kids, "I mean, don't know who Hulk Hogan is?" Or even the Warrior mask, you know, the painted Warrior mask or anything like that well, in the South, and you know, they do a poll and. The, the top three athletes in the city of New Orleans were number three, Pistol Pete Maravich, number two, Archie Manning, number one, the Junkyard Dog. I was just going to say, man, because my, my father was a pipe fitter and I lived in. For a couple of years, and John Cardone, I saw by Queen. Another one, likes and does. I mean, Junk I mean, that's one of the things that got me being a bigger wrestling fan. I remember just getting a chain man in my yard, and sweeping the chain and doing my legs like he was doing. But he was so freaking huge. I don't think people realize. I mean, I don't remember JYD before I even knew who I was. Well, he was Hulk Hogan in Louisiana. He was Hulk Hogan. He was. He was that big, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. So, But what made him great is that whether you were white,
3: black, male, female, rich or poor, you cared about what happened to the junkyard dog. Oh, yeah.
1: You cared about it. If he was hurting, you were hurting. If he was winning, you were winning. Nowadays, you watch a show... And I know they're going to say the cat's out the bag and the toothpaste is out of the tube. Okay, uh, all right. But you know the toothpaste was out of the tube when Steve Austin was doing it? Yeah. The toothpaste was out of the tube when the NWO NWA debuted and they filled the ring with garbage because they were so mad at Hulk Hogan that he was saying what he was saying about the Little Ulsters. You can still do it. I'm 42 years old. this Saturday night in, in Braxton, Mississippi when I fight J.D. Dinkins. I'm going to make every person in that place, well, excuse me, it's outdoor show, CDC requirements, everybody buy a ticket. The people there are going to care because I'm going to make them care. And that's what doesn't happen anymore. And that's why, you know, things like the main events and things people should be extremely
2: excited about. They're excited because it's a spectacle, but they don't care. And that's a huge difference between being excited and caring about what happens. Exactly, because I used to be invested, like you talk about Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Ric Flair. People didn't pay to see Ricky the Dragon steamboat. They paid to see Ricky the Dragon Steamboat beat Flair. They right. wanted they wanted Flair to lose. I mean that's just like Roddy Piper. Everybody bought WrestleMania to see Roddy Piper lose. What do you about
1: steamboat and flair? And I heard this said I think it's a perfect analogy. It was entertaining enough that you wanted to watch, but it was sporting enough that you believed they were actually competing for something. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. That's what I, that's what I was trying to say. Uh, you know, one thing about growing up
3: watching wrestling when my dad was young. That Ric Flair was that kind of champion. That and there's a reason
1: ESPN did a story on You know, because he was that kind of champion. That. You believe it was real. He it carried itself as a champion, and it, they carried it like a sport in the ring.
3: It had that feel. It had that. And Ricky Steamboat. He's a great dance partner with Flair,
1: as well as Steam. I think Steam too, but more so Ricky Steamboat. And don't you know? Even everybody, you know, here Booker and Flair, huge business. Funkin' Flair, huge, right? Ricky Morton and Rick Flair, huge. Great uh, American Bash tours. One of the Road Warriors individually against Flair. Of course, just, yeah, Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, Sting. Like Flair and Macho Man Sting. It didn't matter. It, it, what, what people wanted to believe in was the guy holding the title. And Whether you liked him or hated him, you believed he was as good as he said he was. Yeah, and that's what's missing. When you have guys like you know Chris Jericho, who is phenomenal, probably one of the top ten wrestlers ever. Chris Jericho has had a thirty-year career. And he can do it with anybody. He can go out and make magic, but he did it tonight. Right. You know, he reminds
2: me of Flair because he can put over people and make them big. He with guys. Well, speaking of that, let's just get to our main event, and let's get to Orange Cassidy. and Chris Jericho, Monty, what was your thoughts on this match? Best Orange Cassidy match that's probably ever happened. Uh,
1: Again, they showed MJ. That's in the crowd, which I don't understand. Um, if he's supposed to be your top heel, why is he sitting in the crowd with people? A guy, like, he disdains people. He hates people. He's better than everybody else. If he is in the crowd, he needs to be in the other box. special. He's a special character. He should be with with the uh, uh, the, the, the regular people, as you would call it. Um, you know, I thought the the match was, was really good. I thought Chris Jericho was, was really snug, and, he, and it was a hard-hitting match. Um it, it, I just—it's very difficult for me to get into a person or excited about a guy who just puts his hands in his pockets. I just you talking about killing the business. I just find that disrespectful wrestling. I find it disrespectful
3: to the guys that built the wrestling to have a guy come out there and just put his hands in his pockets. You know, and I and I and I, I told—I you know, told you this before the interview. Uh, you know, I'm gonna get heat
1: for it. I don't care. You watch the match; it looks like a bonafide superstar beating up a guy that works at the GIF that's right. what it looks like and and I, I'm not saying Orange Cassidy's not great he is great he does some great stuff and I get the gimmick and that's what's had him over but last week the lowest rated segment in the history of their show was Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho yeah. now if you've got a segment with Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy and it doesn't draw money who are you going to blame Cassidy yeah. and you know, my thing is too this is a two-week, not pay-per-view, but a two-week event. I mean, really, this is your main event. I know I think think, Moxley Cage was probably supposed to be the main event, but it's like Jericho, I would have liked to see Jericho and Cody or, or, you know, something a little bit bigger. You know, I understand they're trying to give certain guys the push and they're trying to get Cassidy push, and that's my whole thing with the book, and it seems like the timing when they do push these guys don't make any sense. Well, yeah, get the victory. I just wouldn't have had him in my
3: main event. That would not have been my main event. I mean, well, and a couple a of couple things that jumped out to me, too, watching the match. Aubrey
1: Edwards is phenomenal. She's great. Yeah, She's probably the best referee in wrestling today. I hate to say that because Mike Posey was on the first night and I wrestled in before. But Aubrey Edwards is fantastic. But they do things, and I'll give you an example. They throw the orange juice in Orange Cassidy's face, right? Did they dude the referee? No. That's a DQ, match over. Why is that allowed? So
3: then everybody, and then I mean, they do it so everybody can make their running. So it's just as easy for them to have the pin in the other direction or figure it another way where they can get the orange juice in his eyes and
1: she doesn't see it. Or have the other member of, of LAX jump on the other side where she walks over there and gets pulled. Then you throw the orange juice in his face, you're going to put the orange juice bottle, and nobody sees it. You don't bury your referee. How is the promotion of the referee? And this goes back to what people are going to say, oh, it's just for fun. It doesn't matter. How is any of those people going to have any credibility if you do something right in front of a referee and nothing happens? It's the same thing as when you make a tag and both guys are in the ring for 45 seconds. Yeah, It kills all the credibility. It kills them. So why is that important? Because eventually you're going to have a DQ or you're going to have something thrown out. And it's not going to make sense because two weeks ago, You treated right in front of the referee, and no one cared. Hmm. And and then you go to a finish where Chris Jericho hits a guy
3: with a Jose Canseco swing of a baseball bat, and that doesn't pin him, but a back
1: elbow does. Yeah, I thought the same thing. And and I'm not knocking Chris Jericho or booking. Like I said, I'm sitting in my living room, staring out my window at my new $5,000 deck that I had built yesterday at my 150-acre lake, and –
3: It's beautiful, by the way. But they're going to say, what do I know? I I know why things work and why they don't work. And when you put punch holes through things, that's what matters. If if that Chris Jericho has that match with Shawn
1: Michaels, okay, are those holes going to be there? Nope. At the end of the day, those little things matter. They add up, and they add to credibility. Now, to new fans – that, or all they care about is guys doing flips. They don't care, which is their six hundred thousand people audience. But if I was watching that with my grandfather, God bless his soul, he would want to know why did the referee DQ that guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If so referee's just as much part of the dance as anybody, and then correct. You know, you do something like that, you bury her authority, Right. Oh, and, and even worse when it's a female referee because she's already a female. So when you do that, you bury her authority even worse, even though I think she is the best referee in the business. I'll agree. She is phenomenal. But it just – and then later she has to slide in the orange
2: juice to make it count. I, the count. That's what I was thing. I was like, she just got all in the orange juice. <laughs> Made the count, but she, she did it, you know, the right way. Yeah. But if you watch, you watch Tommy Young, you know, he's not dead, but you watch
1: Tommy Young in the 80s or Earl Hector in the 90s, The bad guys
3: were good enough to do things in spite of the referee trying to catch them. Yeah. Because the bad guys were so good
1: at what they did on how to position people that they taught. The sheep used the same popsicle stick for 30 years. They still had
3: taught. (laughs) You know, so you could do it, but that takes you sitting down as a performer and going, these are the things that we
1: have to do to make sure this has bulletproof and I don't mean spots that's that's irrelevant they don't matter because that's not what people remember tonight they watch that match people are going to remember he got orange juice thrown in his face he got hit by a baseball bat and he got pinned with the back elbow that's what they're going to remember at least that's what I remember from watching two hours of it me too so why would you build to a focal point like that and then not make it bulletproof
3: I don't know. That's just me looking at it. I'm not knocking Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho's one of my favorites of all time. And to be honest with you, I like Orange
1: Cassidy more after tonight because of going into it. I'm thinking, there's no way I'll stay away from this match. But I was wrong, you know. He he came out. He worked hard. And he he did the best he could do. And it was a viable match. It was snug. It was hard-hitting.
2: They both did some really good things. Just quit kicking a guy's shit and put your hands in your (laughs) body. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Mike, you got anything to add on that? No, man. No. No, That's about it. I kind of feel the same way. I agree with a lot of things he's saying. He's definitely nailing it right on the head. Well, yes, he's marvelous. That's why. Well,
1: and also, I mean, people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, well, Warbucks is just like Cornette or he's he just hates anything new, and that, that is so not the case. And, and the reason I say that is I think Ray Fury is the best wrestler alive today. He's phenomenal. He's fantastic. The fact he's not on national TV somewhere or on NWA Tower is crazy. And I'm a guy that nobody likes, and I don't like anybody, and I can look you the straight face and say that. He's new. J.D. Jenkins is new. Wes Warren is new. Ursa Major is new. They're new guys, right? They're not old guys, but they're great. And they tell great stories, and they're good wrestlers. You know, and there are a lot of good, young wrestlers out there.
2: You're, you're you amazing you one out there. off, oh, Yeah. I, I agree. Wes Warren, Warren, I've seen Wes Warren in a couple of good matches.
1: He really is good. I mean, and, and people say, well, you just hate all of new wrestling. That is... That is so not true. I can watch Daniel Bryan all day long.
2: It's phenomenal. But you AJ can believe him. in AJ. I mean, believe in AJ. You can believe in Daniel because they make you care for them. That's the key. That you well, care if, for Daniel.
3: They're, they're Ricky Morton's. you know. Well,
2: they're Ricky
1: Morton in Fast Forward. Yep. If that makes sense. It does. They, they, they know what they're doing. And they know how to get over and they do it quickly, and they do a lot of really cool things, but they don't do it so fast that they forget to
2: sell the power bomb. I, I can watch a Daniel Bryan match, or I can watch an AJ Styles match, and I can remember just about every spot in that match. And it's nothing – you're exactly right, because you look at, let's say, the party in the Omega Hangman Man Page match tonight. They went so fast. The young bucks go so fast. It's so fast that your brain don't even get to process everything that's going on at that moment. They do a lot of great stuff, and I'm
1: not saying don't do it. That's what you do uh, if, if you're if you're that type of wrestler. I think it shortens your career. I think it's going to get you hurt. But if that's what you want to do, go do it. Um, but it, it it doesn't it doesn't lend itself to me remembering it and want to see it again. He Daniel Bryan, like I was at WrestleMania when they had the the Mania or whatever you want to call it. It was fantastic. But people wanted to see him be Triple H. It wasn't just Daniel Bryan's great. It's that the people there loved him, they wanted to see it. It was a guttural reaction when he pinned Triple H. And when he won the main event, everybody in that building was out of their minds. Because they love him, you know. To me, that's that's one of the latest things. That's one of the biggest things that people have gotten behind in a long time. That I can recall. I can't recall nothing else quite that big like the Yes Moon. No, it's because it was organic. The fans did it, and they bought into it, and they and they tried to kill it, but they couldn't. And it was huge. That's no different than me you and know, me growing up and and the Rock and Roll Express. Every single person. In the state of Louisiana and Mississippi and Arkansas and Oklahoma, when you saw those guys the first time, you went, "Man, who are they?" And when they started getting beat up, you wanted to see them overcome these great mountains, like the Russians and the Midnight Express. And 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 when they did, you, you felt happy for them. You felt like they were doing it for you. Now you just get this is awesome chance. But why is it awesome? Oh no. Yeah, that, that double drop kit was just phenomenal cool. back in the day, man. Well, the Young Bucks did a great one tonight. Yeah. It was great. It was a transition to something else, which breaks my heart. But, it, it, you know, it, the, the thing to me is, you know, you, when wrestling was mainstream and people cared about it, it could have been the worst match ever. But if the guy that should have won won, the people were happy. Yeah. I, I Hacksaw Jim Duggan never had a five-star match. But by God, when he finally got his hands on Skindar, I'd in people cared, right? Favorites love love Right, people cared. Matches weren't five-star matches, but people cared. They did a thing in the Central Plex, I'll never forget it, from the North American, I was probably about seven years old. It was uh, it was Hacksaw the tree, and it was against a Russian, I can't remember which Russian it was, and the Russians singing the National Anthem, the ref turns around and put the microphone, Duggan hits him one time with the board. The match lasts five seconds. because depends on one, two, three. 9,000 people lost their mind. Who yeah. so cared about 30 a 30-minute you match? Know, shut the Russian up, which everybody hated. And that's, anything. that's it. And that, that goes back to emotion. And I don't. I just don't see how you generate emotion anymore with that fan base.
3: And the sad thing is they'll say, well, they're smart fans. You can't. You can't generate emotion. you can. Mm-hmm. And the reason I know that is Jim Cornette generates emotion every Tuesday. Right. Uh, or, you know, even you watch old ECW. When, when Steve Carino would come out and say, I'm not extreme, I'm not hardcore, I'm not going to do any of these things, he'd poke a chair up
1: and he was going to drill a guy, and he'd open it, sit in it, put the guy in a chin lock. All 6,000 people would him out of the building. Because ultimately he was smarter than the fans. He was working with fans, and now that the fans
3: work them, yeah. So it's a different. It's different, and and I sound like the old
1: man telling nobody to get off his lawn. But but it is true. true. I mean,
3: it's the truth. i mean, I'm, you know, the of course I'm gonna say I'm seventy six, but I'm forty six. It's, <laughs> it's a different kind of wrestling. I mean. you know, and to me, you could still you could still have super fast paced athleticism and a sports based product. People like it. New Japan does it. Yeah, you know, I was, I was a big fan of TNA when TNA first busted on the scene. You know, I was like, wow, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Amazing Red. You know, whenever that Tennessee Fairgrounds when that first popped up on the scene, I was like, oh my god. You know, some of
1: the stuff that the X Division was doing, it was incredible. But it made sense. I mean, TNA even back then made sense. They had they had stories. You know, it wasn't just a bunch of hot spots. It was it was good matches. know and the the thing too that and and young guys are gonna say i'm crazy but the guys that always drew money that were the main event guys worked a certain style even at ecw taz shane douglas right the 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 guys that were synonymous just incredible uh steve carino i mean of course you got sabu i mean and, and and he did some crazy things but the a lot of the guys that were your perennial money drawers didn't do that stuff. The car crashes were in the mid right? But now, especially with AEW, the whole show's a car crash, except for mm-hmm. Chris Jericho, right? So how does that draw money? I mean, you watch, you watch old, uh, uh, WCW, which was great. The Cruiserweights were awesome. Their matches were phenomenal and they were the meat and the potatoes of the show. And when people got there. They loved it, but that's not why you bought a ticket. You bought a ticket because you so want to see the, the or whatever. You know. Yeah, you want to see the NWO. Right, right. And you also got great wrestling. And then those guys built themselves to be made of that guy down the road once you learn to care about them. That's why I don't understand why well, they're not taking someone like a hanger and making them like their current angle. Just to give the show a different element. Or Adam Page. Which, you know. Yeah. Oh, Adam Page lost the opening, uh something cool. You got a piece for something cool, why not? You know, he was sober with the fans, grabbing a beer and everything, people were getting behind him, that's not that element, and then still have the car crashes, I know some people get into that, but I don't understand why they're not taking a couple of those guys and just making a show more dynamic. Well, and, and, and the thing about a good show, and I learned this from, I'm not going to name it, but I mean, being around the Armstrong was a ton, which uh, Scott would always say, he was booked PWA when we were working there for Bobby Dahl, and Robert Gibson was on those shows and Bullet was there. Bobby Dahl had helped
3: train Kurt Angle in Memphis for, for Power Pro Wrestling. He was, and, and, and Al Savage at see, a lot of these
1: great wrestling that. minds. Yep, awesome Al Savage, the, the smartest guy in history, would always tell you or tell me that a great show has to have a little bit of everything. Yep. Right? So you got to have <clears> the car <throat> crash. you got to have the technical great match. you got to have the guys that are big and strong and beat each other up. But on top, you got to have somebody that people believe in and somebody that's a threat to the, people, the person that they believe in. Whether it's heal or face. Can you remember an organization out of Pensacola? Uh, I would say maybe in 86, maybe uh, 87 around there. with Tyler was the wow wrestler. Oh, yeah, I got, I got them all on DVD. Um, and they used to come to Mobile Expo Hall when I was a kid. I'd go watch when I was about 12 years old. And I went to one. It was the International minor of Champions. It was like their big show, their big yearly show. And it's Stan Hansen against Austin Idol in the main event. And uh, oh God, you talk about. I, I knew pretty much wrestling was a show. But when Stan has to come out with that bull rope, and start flipping tables, I was on the front row like beat myself because it was real then. Shit, so, <laughs> it's that kind of real. You know? I told, I told, I told a guy last week. I said I was watching that show, and I wish you know the Undertaker can bring people back from the dead. I would have loved to see Gordy and Steve Williams walk out of
3: that curtain in the middle of one of the tag matches I watched last week, just to see the faces
1: of the guys in the ring. Not because they're coming back from the dead, because they know what's just going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's nobody like that anymore. I mean, you, you think about in the 90s, the Steiners versus Gordy and, and Steve Williams. You didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Somebody might die. It may not ready you know, or Hanson and Fader. Oh, God. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and those guys, when you saw them, just went, man, I'm not and, and, and that's another problem. I, I have an issue with, you're in a sport that's supposed to be a combat sport but 99% of the roster, I feel like if they walked in my living room and it was between me and him, getting out of the living room, I could get out. Yeah. So that, that makes an issue. You know, you need to have guys that people look at and they're scared. And you need, to, and they need to have the great athletes too. But it doesn't hurt if that great athlete is also scary. Right. Like a curve Angle. You know, and one of the problems with AEW is they're big guys. And I, I wrote this down. You know, Matt Buck wrestles like he's six six two sixty, and Lucha who is who is six 260, wrestles like he's six one sixty. So you, you know, th- th- there has to be believability, and there has to be
2: there has to be a logic into how things are done. And today in pro wrestling, there's neither. That is so true on that. Well, guys, we're gonna. I guess we're gonna start wrapping up here before we do get out and get our closing thoughts here, real quick. Uh, Mike, what's your closing thoughts on the show tonight? I mean, I thought that Orange Cassidy had what, what I would say his best match ever. Um, you know, he had a, a shot on national TV to get in there with the guy who's one of the top ten or twelve wrestlers of all time. And other than some of the goofy things he does, I thought the match was was solid. Um, I love seeing FTR. You know, I wish that they could have two keys to their truck because apparently there's only one key
1: for it. Um, and, you know, they're protecting the key like like they don't make two of them. Uh, but, you know, stuff, all in all, you have a lot of guys that are working really, really hard. And I want them to be successful because I want that show to be around so that there's an alternative to WWE. And I want NWA to be around so there's an alternative to AEW. And I want Ring of Honor to be healthy so there's an alternative to all of it. But at the end of the day, if you insult the fans' intelligence by doing things that just doesn't make sense and things that people can poke holes in, you're not going to be around. So I hope that all stops. I hope that they sit back when they've got guys on their roster like Tully Blanchard, like Arne Anderson, like Jake Roberts, like Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross. Put those five guys in a room and pick their brain and come together with a better show.
2: Mike, what's your closing thoughts, bro?
1: Well, my closing thoughts are not so much on the AEW show, man. I just got uh, two of my favorite passions are uh, music and uh, professional wrestling. That's two of my favorite loves. Uh, and, uh, last night, I uh, did a podcast with my uncle uh, and we interviewed a musician. It's really great and so enjoyable to sit and talk an hour about one of my favorite passions, and that's music. And I got to say, man, it's just been a real pleasure to talk to someone like Bonnie and hear his insight somebody who truly passionately loves wrestling and is not trying to hate but to hear his perspective his insight uh, it's very enjoyable so it was a nice surprise having him on tonight so that's that's not all i got to say about this podcast i, re- I really enjoy it i'm so glad to be a part of it it's always a good time to talk to monty thank you and i got, I got one more thing because uh it's important uh saturday night in braxton mississippi jd jenkins monty warbucks Capital
3: City Championship, it's a big deal. It's raising money for the Park family, going towards a great cause. I think Blair Batson Hospital, correct? Yes. Hey, everybody that's listening to this needs to buy a ticket, even if you can't make the show. You need to get on the Zone website. You need to message Brandon, you need to do those things, and buy a ticket even if you can't come. Because you need to support Blair Batson Hospital, you need to support the Park family. And I don't care if you boo me or not, because if you're there, I'm going to do my job, which is going to make you hate me. But at the end
1: of the day, show up. Support that family. They're going through times that I can't imagine. So get there early. Support them. If you can't come, buy a ticket anyway. If you can't come, buy two. But by all means, support the show because all the money is going to a great cause that supports all the sick children in the
2: Pacific. And they're gonna to try to do it it's the Jacob Park, uh, Jacob Shane Park Memorial Discommissary Braxton. So just message us on uh, Bow Zone Championship Wrestling on Facebook, and we'll get you set up uh, because we want to try to raise as much money as possible. Because as you know personally, Jacob was a big fan of professional wrestling, Bow Zone, and, uh, <clears throat> and pretty much anything uh, professional wrestling. So we're gonna to try to do everything we can to help the family out and the uh, Blair out the Hospital. So. I appreciate y'all for uh, doing that. If you want to help, just go to Battlezone Championship Wrestling on Facebook and message us, and we'll give you the details and everything on that. Uh, guys, I want to thank you, Monty, for showing up. Mike, as always, it's a pleasure, but uh, I appreciate you guys both being here tonight. Thanks, man. You. Appreciate you
1: having
3: us, man. You are listening to Turner Podcast Network. <laughs>